Series Po, Series Po, Series Po, Series Po. Welcome back to Series Four and another episode of Two Guys One Topic. I'm Ollie, and I'm Liam, and welcome back everybody to Series Four. If you're a new listener, which you may well be, each week, each episode, we take a topic about something that we know very little about. And within a week, we read and research all about it. With the idea being that we share with you what we feel are the most important pieces of information. That is exactly what we do. And just to remind everybody, we are not experts in anything that we talk about on the pod. This is just a summary of our findings. Hopefully, by sharing some knowledge with you, we can all learn a little bit more about a whole lot of things. Exactly right. Let's crack straight on with Series 4, Episode 1. This week's topic is Dubai. Liam, welcome back. Series four, here we yeah, go. Yeah, baby. Series even, four, who'd have thought it? Even managed to meet up and see each other and do a bit of recording together, didn't we? Yeah, very strange times considering this came out of lockdown number three or four. Um, so yeah, that we've gotten to four series. You know, to be honest, we're choosing where the series are, but let's not tell anybody that. We've gotten to four series. Um, yeah, <laughs> exciting, exciting. Um, we've got some cool episodes lined up for the series. That hopefully everybody's going to enjoy a couple of quite complicated ones, a couple of nice fun ones, but yeah, cracking on with Dubai. Definitely. I'm looking forward to it this week and it's somewhere where I've actually managed to go to in the past, Dubai, just as a, a tourist, just went there for a bit of a holiday, went to see some friends over there. But it turns out, I wish I'd done this podcast before then. I know yeah. loads more about Dubai now than what I did when I originally went there. Yeah. So question one. Ollie, is Dubai a country? <laughs> well, lots of people think it is, but no, it's not a country. Dubai, no, Dubai is not a country. It's part of the United Arab Emirates, isn't it? And we will get on to perhaps talking about that in a minute. But Dubai must be the capital of the United Arab Emirates, mustn't it? Well, you'd think so, because it's so popular. But no, it's not even the ca- capital of the United Arab Emirates. <laughs> no, yeah, that is, uh, that's Abu Dhabi, isn't it? So yes. do you want to... Just say a little bit about Dubai, like what? why is it such a big deal? Yeah, it is It is a super big deal, isn't it? And just coming back to that, that first point there, just to make it really clear, Dubai is just a city which is then part of a country in the United Arab Emirates. It's not even the capital of it, but it just sort of has that standing, doesn't it, of being that massive place. Yeah. But in terms of it being like this grand place that you, you hear about or you see online, it's not actually that big from a geographical standpoint. In fact, it's only 35 kilometres squared. Yeah, that is. So I'm going to blow everyone's mind in just one second. Dubai is part of an emirate called Dubai as well, which just confused matters. But the city of Dubai is only 35 kilometers squared, which for our listeners in England is about the same size as Burnley or Blackburn or Grimsby. And it is actually smaller than Swindon, where I'm from, which is absolutely mind boggling. (laughs) That is unbelievable. I know you've you've not been able to see past that much this week, have you? It's absolutely blown your mind that about... I've been... Yeah, I've been telling kids that all week long that 
that Dubai is smaller than Swindon. It's the size of Grimsby. It's what? Isn't it? Ma- I thought it was ginormous. So I, was, I had a little look and then trying to put it in context for, say, people in the US. So we're saying it's 35 kilometres squared. Manhattan is 59 kilometres squared. So it's, yeah, way smaller than, yeah. than Manhattan. Getting on for and, half the size. And for, for London, just to put that into context, London's one and a half thousand kilometers squared. So, yeah, massive. But the population is approximately about three million, isn't it? So there's a whole load of people for a yeah, pretty yeah. small space. Yeah, and just coming back to you know, I live in Swindon, which has what maybe three hundred thousand people, maybe yeah. a bit more, but somewhere around about that. So Dubai is smaller than where I live, but has ten times as many people in it. That's pretty nuts. <laughs> <laughs> It's brilliant. Um, it's because it's called the skyscrapers, isn't it? Do you know? Do you know? Just, there's so many facts about Dubai. Dubai has, I think, 215 skyscrapers, and a skyscraper is anything over 100 meters tall. So it's got over 200 skyscrapers in Dubai. Yeah. So you can start to get an idea about how they can fit Wherever it is. so many people just by by going vertical. But if we if we take it back then a little bit, so we've we've made it clear Dubai is not. A country in its own right. It's part of the United Arab Emirates. And should we just touch on a little bit about the history of the United Arab Emirates and just how that came about in the first place? Yeah, this was the first thing I actually read about this week because, um, you know, I don't really know much about the. We'll call it the UAE. A lot of people do. Um, United Arab Emirates. If you go back to about 1820, early 1800s, they're, um, they, they're called sheikdoms, or I think you call them sheikdoms, don't you, Ollie? <laughs> Yeah, sheiks, shakes, but we might interchange those words, but yeah. I don't know which one's the American one, but I'm probably using the American one. They're sheikdoms, so they're little areas ruled by sheiks. And it was known as the Pirate Coast because the British would trade. They'd go down um, the Persian Gulf and they would trade with Iraq and Iran and Oman, and they tended to get pirated around those times. But eventually... There were a whole bunch of treaties signed and like truces signed sort of in the the middle of the 1800s because Dubai had a bit of a decent pearl trade, didn't it? And it knew that if it could sign a truce with England, then perhaps it might do some deals. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, the the British saw Dubai as as being a really important stopover of making their way going over to Bombay and over to India. And, yeah, as Liam was saying, where it's located in the Middle East, you sort of go past Dubai to get into and trade with a lot of the other countries and the British ships there, they were getting pirated. But then as Liam said, they signed these truces and they became known as the trucial states, didn't they? Yeah. Cause they were under a truce. Um, and then, so for maybe 40 years, they were in truce. They were doing all this pearl, they were trading, they were stopping over trading their pearls. And then eventually in 1892, they signed an exclusive agreement with England at, uh, was it England or the United Kingdom? I, I assume it must be the United Kingdom. Yeah, United Kingdom, um, I think. To, uh, to um, you know, they would only trade with, with us and we would protect them. It, it sort of became a, a everybody wins, didn't they? Like we would offer them foreign support, army sort of support, and then um, but they would only trade with us. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And so it had grown up, it was still a pretty small place at this point. So even though they've got this successful pearl diving and, and selling of pearls and they're, they're still trading with the UK. It's a, it's like a big village really at this point. So it's, it's not very big at all. And there's, there's not a whole lot going on. 
Um, and then they managed to then strike oil, didn't they? Yeah, so we're, at this point, we're trading with all of these different sheikdoms, all of these, they're now known as Emirates. That's why it's called the, Uni- the United Emirates. There, there were all these different like sort of areas, if you like, and we were trading with them all. And then, yeah, late 50s, early 60s, they struck oil. And uh, well, it was, it was a good job that they did. So they, they had somebody at the time called Sheikh Rashid. So in 1959, Sheikh Rashid was running Dubai at this point. And he took a tour of Europe and he really liked and was inspired by the London Underground, a topic we did a few weeks back. He went over to Rome and saw the architecture and, and just really liked and was fascinated by the, the design of the cities. And he wanted to try and get something going over in Dubai. And so he put some grand plans in place to try and build up some infrastructure. Again, just saying it's quite, you know, more than a big village at the moment. He started to try and um, make it more inclusive for bigger ships to then be coming into the port and try and make, you know, a big deal out of the, the port activities that they had. But then they started to run out of money and they found it too challenging to, to carry on. And then in 1966 is when they found some oil but it wasn't really that much that they found, did they? No, they didn't find... No, Dubai doesn't have that much oil um, in comparison to Abu Dhabi and some of the others. But having found the oil, these emirates then realised that actually they didn't need our help, didn't they? They, they said, right, yeah, actually, <laughs> we've literally struck, literally struck oil, we've struck <laughs> gold here. <laughs> and uh, So in te- September um, 1971, the emirates basically joined together. They formed their own country. They said, right, we don't need your help. We are going to be as one. We are going to be united. So these, there are seven emirates. There were actually nine. The other two are Qatar and Bahrain, which we now know as separate countries. They went off on their own. Yes. The other seven emirates in 1971 formed the United Arab Emirates. You can sort of think of it like the States of America. You know, it's called the United States. It's just a bunch of states that are together as one. And these emirates are essentially very similar. They are as one. And you've had a go at working out the names of them, haven't you? Because we know, we only know of Abu Dhabi and Dubai. Um, they are two of the states. Uh, they are two of the emirates. But there are five other ones, aren't there? Yes. Yep. So you've got Fijera, You've got Ajaman, Sharjah, Ras al-Kahim, and Um al-Kuwain. Uh, that, that then make up all of the states. And just so you know what we said right at the beginning, Dubai is a city in the state or the, the emirate of Dubai. And that goes yeah. the same for all seven of them. So the capital city in all of the emirates is the name of the emirate itself. So the, yeah, capital, of, the capital of Abu Dhabi is Abu Dhabi. Yeah, yeah, a bit like Luxembourg, isn't it? Um, yeah. So they've got these seven emirates. Uh, the seven emirates are now nowadays they're governed by what we call an, an emir, which is where the word emirates come from, um, or one way or the other way around. So they're governed by an emir. They, ha- they each of the seven their emir forms a supreme council. So the seven guys um, they're in control of everything. One of them becomes the president of the UAE, and that president has always been the emir of Abu Dhabi. Yeah, and that's um, really because they've they've got the most power, haven't they? Abu Dhabi, out of the seven of the Emirates, holds the most power, and it's we'll come back to it or we'll come on to it in a minute about the the oil producing that yeah, they do. 
boatloads of oil, boatloads more. And then the Emir of Dubai is always the prime minister of the UAE and the deputy, uh, what do we call deputy president, vice president. Um, so that's that's sort of how the UAE came about and where Dubai is. But yeah, so they struck oil. If we just take it back then, you, you can explain this bit. So they struck oil in the middle of the 60s. And sort of what did he spend the oil on? Like what was the the thrust of their plan? So we're only talking 50 years ago, aren't we? Here? I know, I know, crazy. Nothing. There's basically nothing there at this point. Um, no. You know, he's got an idea. He's got this fantastic idea to... To, to build all this stuff and suddenly he's been given like an infinite amount of money so <laughs> what were they going for well it was it was then Sheikh Rashid had this idea of opening it up to be a tourism and business center around the world and so very much making that the most of their their port capabilities so they there was there's a creek that runs in from the the, the sea um it was quite shallow though at the time. So they artificially deepened it. So bigger yeah. ships could go in and they were trying to think of, well, how can we get more people to come around or, or come and visit, make it a tourism place. And then they built an international airport and just making sure that all of the air, all of the, the planes from around the world would then be able to land in Dubai and just making it, you know, a great place for people to come. Yeah. It's, it- they made the most of their position, didn't they? If you look on a map, Dubai's pretty central, like to get from like Asia, all of Asia and Australia. And if you were coming up from Africa to Europe and yes. America, Dubai, you know, you know, try and book a flight. There's so many of them stop in Dubai. And yes, you can go direct, but they make it so easy just to stop over. That Exactly. Yeah. What was you telling me about their airport? Yeah, so they what they did is they they decided to get the guy who started British Airways. So there was a guy called Sir Maurice Flanagan, and he was really instrumental. He didn't quite start British Airways, so he was really instrumental in building that out. And he just said, well, I'll come and help build Emirates Airways for you, which he did, and just made sure that all of their destinations, where they went to and came from, exactly what you were saying, goes to the middle of the world to Dubai. And it's like the third, isn't it the third most visited airport, passenger numbers or something. It's only behind Atlanta and Beijing, Dubai. Yeah, that's airport. it. It's it's the number one for international travel. Okay, but okay, yeah, Beijing and Atlanta have they have the um the, the national travel as well. But yeah, super busy airport. Okay, so he spent all this money making this place like you know center of the world for tourism and business and infrastructure and technology. And it's got, you know, um, all these port capabilities, import and export in, you know, all that sort of stuff. What's it like if we if we went there nowadays then? Yeah. So we've been, been. So tell us. So, yeah. So, you know, I, I've never been, but doing all this research makes me want to go. <laughs> What's well, it like? Yeah, it's a pretty cool place to go. I really enjoyed it when we went over there. It is a bit mad to think that. It is all so new and what they've done. And you can really see like their mentality and the, the vision that they had was to just make everything larger than life. So Dubai's yeah. goal is always to be constantly having the biggest and the best of everything. So it's hotels are the most luxurious. Um, they've got, you know, the, the tallest buildings. There's some mad stats about the the type of places that they've got there that get themselves in the Guinness World Records. Like even the, the Burj Al Arab, it's that hotel that looks like a, a ship and a sail. That yeah, was on a, that island. They were a 
the first self-proclaimed seven-star hotel. So going way past the five, seven-star hotel just from the service and everything that they do. So everything that they do is yeah, larger than life and, and trying to be the best at everything. Yeah, I read on, I went on to um, TripAdvisor and looked up the top 10 things to, to, that people claim that you should go and see in Dubai, right? All of them are just the biggest of the. So Burj Khalifa is number one, biggest building in the world. The Dubai Fountain, which is at the front of the Burj Khalifa, biggest fountain spraying thing in the world. You know, it's like the ones in Vegas, just way bigger. Yeah. Dubai Mall, largest shopping mall in the world. Dubai Miracle Garden, largest gardens in the world. It's got 50 million flowers and 250 million plants, apparently. <laughs> the Global Village, which is claimed to be the world's largest tourism shopping and leisure entertainment program. Dubai Frame, largest picture frame in the world. Like, it's just on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> ski Dubai, the largest snow dome, largest indoor ski place in the world. Like, it's, That's mad. So they've got a snow dome in the middle of the desert. Yeah, and it is a desert, by the way. It is a yeah. desert. I read. Is Dubai a desert? Is it classed as a desert because it's a city? And it's by the sea, so why would it be a desert? A desert classification is to do with the amount of rain. And the, Dubai is by the, the, the sea. It's neither here nor there because it just never rains hardly yes. at all. So yeah. it's classed as a desert. But you just saying as well about the, the fountains outside the Burj Khalifa, what they seem to do all the time, similar to what they did with setting up the Emirates Airways, for those fountains, they got the people who designed the Bellagio ones to come and then say, can you sort of okay. do what you did at the Bellagio in Las Vegas in their fountains, but just make it even bigger and better? Like That just always yeah. seems to be the remit that they have every time. Yeah, well, when you've got that sort of much money, like... Well, they they don't act though you were saying earlier actually about the barrels of oil right about the oil dubai has got about 4 billion barrels of oil they estimate like in in underground now that sounds like a lot 4 billion barrels yes abu dhabi has got 92 billion barrels of oil <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so abu dhabi which is the emirate just to the west of it to next to it yeah they've got 92 billion but it, try and put that into some context then so 4 billion from dubai 92 from abu dhabi what does that mean sort of like globally well again this sort of number is you know you could find five different versions of it but there's a they reckon there is about 1.7 trillion barrels of oil in the ground in the world right that's that's 1,700 billion. Dubai has four of those 1,700 billion barrels. So yeah. Abu Dhabi has 92 of those 1,700 billion barrels. So, I mean, it's not a lot really, is it? Where's the rest of it? I, that, I didn't think to find out where the rest of the oil was. I suppose I should have looked. I'd imagine it. No idea. Iran? Yeah. Iran? They've got oil, don't they? Yeah, Saudi Arabia and Qatar. They've got, yeah, boat boatloads of oil. But if we just go back to then, so coming back to this vision that Sheikh Rashid had at the beginning, and when he said we've found oil when he announced it, but we've not found that much. And so it then really drove them on to have this diverse economy. And it is yeah. a super rich place and a really, you know, a real hub of tourism, luxury, tourist destinations and business um and it's really interesting some of the things that they thought about doing in terms of just allowing free trade and just setting up areas where where people can then um yeah prosper haven't they 
Yeah, they set up the Jebel Ali Free Zone, which is one of the world's largest, um, you know, it's like an area where they just let businesses come in and they sort of don't really interfere. Do yeah, and like, an economic free zone, they term it as. Yeah. So at the minute, so this this area, the Jebel Ali Free Zone, which is right, you know, it's in Dubai, like right by the city. It's just on the, on the edge of it. It's got like seven and a half thousand companies working out of this area. They reckon about a hundred of the top five hundred companies in the world have got offices there. But the the point is, like, they they don't have any currency restrictions or import export issues, and they don't tax them. You know, they've got fantastic infrastructure in place and transportation systems in place, and like you were saying, the whole the docks and the shipping areas. It's, it's yes. all absolutely geared to just letting people run their businesses as properly as possible. And, and as such, everybody comes in, don't they, to do it? It made me think of our container shipping episode that we did, which for anyone who hasn't listened to that, it's way more interesting than, than the topic sounds. But I saw, <laughs> I saw a video of a flyover of the port in Dubai, and it's mind-boggling the amount of containers that they've got sat there and like waiting to dock and go onto the boats. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. But so within that free economic zone, it's also known as the Jaff, Jaffras, Jaffza. Jaffza. Yeah, the Jebel Ali free zone is Jav, Jaffza. They reckon that it employs about 140,000 people. And it's just, it's just a massive area. So if you think like another good idea of theirs by setting this up it attracted companies to then come in because they're not going to be taxed and they can get on with their business a bit more which then brings in more people which then those people then want to live in the city and then want to have things to do and then spend money in the city and it's just sort of that cycle that they that they've then got going on and it means that they don't need to rely on the oil doesn't it like they, yes. they get into a point where like if the oil ran out all these businesses are still there that they're there because of everything else. They're not there because the oil helped to build everything, obviously, but it's all built now. So they're now starting to reap the rewards of the things they built with the oil. And it was it was quite a, maybe it's fortuitous or, or maybe it was considered at the time, but we're seeing a world now go into way more renewable energy sources. And so the, the demand for oil will go down. So they do need yeah. to have a sustainable economy without having to rely on the oil. I think, weren't you telling me that they, they export more than what they're using anyway, don't they? Yeah, massively so. Apparently, uh, I was looking at, um, I don't know what the website was. There's a website, something to do with oil, and it tells you the consumption of all these different countries. Um, But Dubai, apparently it produces about just over 3 million barrels a day, but it only consumes less than one. So it's got like net exports. It's not using using its own oil. It's just exporting it. Um, But I mean, I guess they must be getting a lot of money from that. Definitely. But we, so we, we sort of jumped then. We went from saying you've got the Burj Khalifa. So the Burj Khalifa is the world's biggest building, isn't it? It's about 830 meters high, which is about 160 stories. It's absolutely ginormous. And then they've, that's broken loads of world records just in its own right. Stuff like the world's tallest building, tallest freestanding structure in the world, highest number of stories in the world highest occupied floor in the world, highest observation deck. Like they pretty much get a lot just by being the tallest building in the world anyway. Yeah. But, so we spoke about the Burj, the Burj Khalifa. You've got the big fountains. We then spoke about the economic zone. They've got some other 
pretty crazy things going on, haven't they? Like the Palm Jumeirah. Yeah, yeah, that's that. <laughs> yeah, like you can, it's not like how do you explain that if you haven't seen it? It's imagine being a bird up in the sky. They they put loads of sand and stones into the world. They basically made a fake island that is the shape of a palm tree, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Like, if you've not seen this, I I struggled. Like I'm, I, there must be people that haven't. But if you haven't. It's it's basically an island in the shape of a palm tree, but this island is massive. It's enormous, absolutely enormous. This island that they've just decided to build off the coast, you know, out into the sea, reclaimed land. It's absolutely ginormous, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's got you know buildings on it. Like it's, it, <laughs> it, you, I'm selling it short. You can't explain how big it is. Like it. <clears throat> It's just imagine an octopus with like eight legs coming off either side. Each of those legs has got like 200 houses on it or 200 apartments on it. At the end, it's got the Atlantis Hotel, which is, you know, enormous. You've probably seen it if you could see a picture of it. Yeah. It's that one with that bridge between the two sides of it. Um, yeah, different gravy. Um, so just to say on the on the trunk of that palm tree, that palm tree island that we're saying, there are 6,000 apartments just on the trunk. So we're talking like it's it's a few, this the size of this thing is it's about five kilometers, um, wow. and you can actually see it from space. That's nuts because they also built the one. Did you see the one when they tried to build one like in the shape of the world and yes. all the countries, all the countries of different islands? But I've watched some videos about like that's not kicked off as well as they thought it would quite yet. So no, but, yeah, I think it, it, it got hit build. by the the financial crisis in two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight. And then never yeah. really got going again. Um, so if you go to Dubai, right? If you tell someone I'm going to Dubai, quite often they say, oh, but this and that. And, you know, like, there's some issues. And we said we should probably delve into just perhaps some of these uh, misconceptions, myths. Yeah. If you like, some, some are slightly more serious than others, I guess. Easy one to start with. Do the police have Bugatti Veyrons and Ferraris? <laughs> it turns out it's actually true, isn't it? They do. <laughs> yeah. Their yep. police force has some absolutely crazy cars. So they've got, yeah, a Lamborghini Aventador. They've got Aston Martins and they do have the world's fastest police car. So this is another world record that they've got. The world's fastest police car, which is a Bugatti Veyron, which costs just over a million pounds. Yeah. I, but talking about the Guinness World Records, I'd read that the Guinness World Records have had to set up an office in Dubai because they are constantly breaking world records. Oh, really? Have an office out there, uh, just be like, right, yeah, right, we'll come down the road and come and sign this one off. <laughs> what it about makes sense. Um, is everybody rich there, Dubai? Like, you know, you think, oh, I've seen it on Instagram, everybody's rolling in big monies. Is that actually true? Again, that isn't true, is it, as well? So it's it's a place where it can be expensive to live depending where you're going to and it you can be an expensive place but like i guess like any any big city but there's a big wealth disparity isn't there there's a lot yeah. of immigrant workers that are in there yeah a lot we should have said this at the start a lot about 85% of dubai only 15% of dubai is like homegrown emirati emiratis yeah um yeah 85% apparently are um, immigrants or, or you know they've come in it's because they've got so much construction work yes and hospitality work you know they need sort of you know people to come in low paying labor and they've got boatloads of those and you know they're not earning money then they're, they're not earning big monies are they it's yeah a vast majority come from india 
Pakistan and then South Asia as well. Yeah. Yeah. Another one is what about alcohol? You know, oh, I can't go to the pub if you go to Dubai. You know, if you, <laughs> if you go to Dubai, can we go and have a few beers? Is that doable? You can do, but there's there's a bit of a loophole to be able to do do it, isn't there? It's not quite as straightforward as, as what we might be able to expect, but there is a bit yeah, of a loophole. Yeah, the shops, the shops need to have certain licenses, but more so, the more, the more common way is, as long as they're attached to a hotel, you can have a bar. So just about every hotel has got a bar. You know, they've all got nightclubs and things like that. You know, the night scene, the nightlife scene is really, really good in Dubai. But yeah, they, you, need, you need to basically go to a hotel, but you can get around it. It is totally doable. Just, you know, it's not necessarily on every street corner like it might be here. But it's pretty much, it's only foreigners that can buy and consume alcohol. Yeah, yeah it's because of Islam, isn't it? Because of the, yeah. the overriding religion is that yeah. you, you can't drink alcohol. Yeah, you, you're, you're not going to be able to bowl around the street with a can of carling. And, uh, you know, I, you're, not, you're unlikely to be able to take a bunch of beers and sit at the beach and drink them. Exactly. Like, yeah. Do you definitely yeah, wouldn't be able to do that. And you would you'd get yourself into some serious trouble, I think. And you can't even be drunk in public either. So okay. it's almost like as soon as you, you've, you're finished at the, the pub or the club, well, the idea being you might be staying at that hotel. So you then just go to your room and not cause any trouble to the to the general public. But okay. um, Otherwise, you jump in a taxi and get yourself back to wherever you're staying. On, on that note, what about like things like... Um kissing and holding hands and you know that's one wasn't it like oh you know turn up with your wife are you even allowed to walk around holding hands along the beach well that's that's about as much as you can do so yeah hugging and kissing I've read is a big no-no and it might even be illegal you might even be able to get yourself arrested for it if you're hugging and kissing but you can hold hands but as long as it's your husband or your wife um, I'm, I don't know how it goes if you're not married, but yeah, I've just read yeah, some. There's some little bit backwards, doesn't it? That that just sounds a little bit. And we were saying, like, as far as some of these Middle Eastern countries go, UAE is is really at the forefront of of yeah open mindedness. I mean, to us, it's nowhere near as open minded as it needs to be, but it is certainly at the forefront of it by comparison with some of his neighbours. Yeah, definitely. And that that was one of the things that, again, going back and crediting Sheikh Rashid really early on in like the 1950s, 1960s, where he had this idea of making it this tourism place. He wanted it to be inclusive. So he was, you know, pretty forward thinking for the area at the time. What other yeah, things okay. what, other, what other things or misconceptions have we got there? Maybe about um, what you're wearing. Like, yeah, what you're wearing is one, wasn't it? Do you have to go in full traditional dress? You know, do you have to completely cover up and stuff? Generally, and I've actually got, I've got friends out there. They say the same thing. Generally, as long as you're respectful, you're, it's all right, really. You know, because they've got such a high expat community. There's so many people there. You know, I, I guess it's it's a bit hard to tell everybody what to wear. So I think if you're respectful, I think you cover your shoulders, don't you, if you're out and about? That's it. Probably don't go bowling around in a bikini unless you're actually at the beach or by the pool. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, but I don't think that's any different to, you know, I've been to India and China and Malaysia and, you know, places like that where it's the same, isn't it? You, you dress appropriately and not inappropriately. Yeah, I've got one as well. What about can you drink the water in Dubai? Oh, good one, this. This is a good one. 
Yes, you can. I actually read into this because I was like, where do they get their water from then? Like, yes, there's no water if it doesn't rain. So it turns out more than 99% of the water they drink in Dubai comes from desalination plants. These are the plants that convert seawater into drinking water. Um, okay. Because it just never rains. And when it does rain, that rain evaporates so quickly and doesn't even get into any, like, doesn't even get to where they need it to be. They have to convert the, the water. So yes, you can. Apparently foreigners think it's got a funny taste and they do do a lot of drinking bottled water and things. Okay. But you can. I read a fact that about two thirds of all the desalination of water in the world right. happens in the UAE. So okay. all of the water that gets turned into normal water, two thirds of it happens in because it's so expensive. Oh, so okay. All these other countries, yeah, you know, they're lacking water all around. I don't know Africa and Asia and things. Yep, it's just too expensive to build a desalination plant. So all of the desalination plants that there are, or lots of them, are in the UAE. <laughs> and that's that's a so good point. So I was I was reading about the UAE and their their consumption of water, and it's absolutely massive. So they say that it's about 550 liters of water per person per day, which is the highest in the world, and it's about wow. it's about 80 percent higher than the global average. But the reason being is because of all the air conditioning that they need in the city. Okay. So because they they try and build like this mix of outdoor, indoor, or indoor, outdoor, however you want to say it. So you, an indoor ski dome, for example. Yeah. Or like when yeah. they have their huge malls, their malls are are indoors, but they're like maybe a glass ceiling. So you can then still see it's sunny and everything. And yeah. you've got that mix, but having to cool it down massively. And so they just need so much water for their for their air conditioning and their cooling systems. They cool down the um, bus stops. Did you read that? Because <laughs> no. it's so hot. Well, it's so hot, isn't it? Like when it gets, so we should have mentioned this. In the summer, it will go over 40 degrees easily every day for months on end. So like outdoor in general, like outdoor life can only happen if they can cool it down and shade things. So they've got like air conditioned bus stops and like walkways. Oh, yeah. Like you say that. People can't be outside. It's too hot. I think I remember that there was water getting sprayed from the bus stop when we were there thinking about that. I might have to check that, but I was reading about the heat and in the summer of July, 2002, they had their record hottest day, which is a 52.1 degrees Celsius. Good job. They've got air conditioned. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So that's what Dubai's like. And that's where it came from. Do we know what it's going to be like in the future? If we got because we did say to her, we said right well what's it where's it going? Yeah, I'm I'm guessing they're probably going to have the same ethos that they've been having for the last fifty years, bigger and better. Yeah, basically. So Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid, who is the current president of Dubai, um, he set out. It's called the Dubai 2040 plan. So in the next twenty years, the they think the population is going to go from about three million to nearly six. So that's nuts, isn't it? In two years. Um, so he's and got it's only the size of Swindon. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he's got a plan. <laughs> and it's basically more of everything. All right. So he wants to increase area of hotels and tourism by 130%. He wants to make the length of beaches 400% longer. He wants space designated for educational and health facilities to increase by 25%. He wants five new urban areas to be developed. And like, Area used for commercial, industrial, and economic activities to increase to 168 square kilometers. 
just more of everything yeah. basically yeah <laughs> which which is nuts to think where they've come from so in 1971 there was one skyscraper that they had yeah. and yeah. as as you were saying they've got 215 skyscrapers and now like 13 cars in like 1966 there was like 13 <laughs> cars on the road one thing he wants to do as well we were talking earlier about infrastructure and like making it a good place to live he wants more than half of the population to live within 800 meters of a main public transport station yep so you know basically you walk out your door and the station's just there so um the you main did- goal this is, this is a quote sorry the main goal is to make dubai the best city in the world to live in from a leisure and working perspective nice yeah they, they're certainly well on their way to do that aren't they one other thing that i forgot to say in the myth element was when they were growing at the rate they were growing. What was it to do with cranes that they had? It's going to be my takeaway, but I changed it. Um, yeah, it is thought that at one point Dubai had a quarter of all of the cranes in the world. <laughs> <laughs> That's mental. And did you read the one about postal codes? This is absolutely crazy. So until recently, and we're sort of, are we talking 2015, 2016? Yeah, Dubai five, had no addresses. So no zip codes, no area codes, no postal codes, what, what you might know of. And it was just due to it, it was growing so fast that they'd never developed a standard system of having these, these numbers. And so if, if you needed to go somewhere, you would just, it, weirdly, you would draw a map <laughs> on your yes. letter that you were sending yeah. and say, go past the mosque and it's the second building on your left, the white building there. Yeah, um, or, or you had to hope that it was like a hotel that everybody knew. Like I'm at, I'm at wherever, the Bellagio. There's not one there, but you know. The Burj I mean. Khalifa or something. You just said, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying I'm staying in this Hilton. So your taxi driver knows where to take you. Yeah. Um, how how mad is that? But they they have rectified it now, haven't they? Yeah, you can get something called a Makumi code, uh, a Makani code, not a Makumi. I don't know what that is. A Makani code, which basically every building has a 10-digit code. So you, that's basically it. You know, I live at 182-964-382463. You know, all right. Uh, okay, I know where that is. Like, quite how they assign them, I don't know. But <laughs> right, this is, I, we've thrown so many facts out today. There's so, so many facts about Dubai. I reckon we might be able to do an Instagram quiz again, a little five, five quiz. We'll probably do 10 of them. Have you got a takeaway that is yes. another thing that we haven't said yet? Yeah, I have. I, I found this one quite interesting and a little bit of a mind-blowing one as well. So going back to the Palm Islands, the Palm Jumeirah that we spoke about earlier, and it being reclaimed land that is in the sea. So it required 94 million cubic metres of sand. And everyone knows how much that is, don't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's... um. Yeah, lots. Lots of stuff. <laughs> so just to say a fact about the rock and the sand that they used to build this, it's been estimated if you were to have a two meter wide wall. Yeah. Running, that wall would circle the globe three times. Oh wow. What that's made how of the much, stuff they use? Yeah, that's just how much rock and sand they used to build it. So when we were talking earlier about that palm island. And about saying how big it is, it is absolutely enormous. So yeah, the rock and the sand that they used from that would circle the globe three times if it was a two meter wide wall. We better we'll get a picture of it up on Instagram, won't we? Okay, mine's this one: Burj Khalifa, tallest building in the world. If you are taking part in Ramadan, you've got to wait till night time, right, so that you can eat. Okay. 
if you're at the top of the Burj Khalifa, because of the angle of the sun, like because your horizon is different to you know, if you're on the ground floor, your horizon is different to mine. You have to wait an extra two minutes for the sun to go down. <laughs> oh, wow. Two extra minutes just to wait the sun go down, just so you can have your dinner, because it's so tall. I love well, that. Nice. That's a well good stat. And I really like that. Nice. Right. So what do you think, Lillian? We hit the ground running there. First episode of Series 4, straight in, and we've been talking about Dubai. If, yeah. if someone were to ask you about Dubai now, you feel you could have a better conversation about it? Well, for a start, I know it's not a country. And I also know that it's part of the UAE and I know what the UAE is and where it came from. I think that's 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 my my takeaway is is that part of it. You know, I think I know that it's tourism and infrastructure and all that, but what actually the UAE is and where it actually came from, I think that's quite interesting. Absolutely. And then the whole thing about you think it's rich because of oil. You just assume it's in that part of the world, it's in the Middle East, so it must be, you know, rich from oil when really They've done a lot of thought and hard work around the the tourism and that economic free zone that we spoke about and just making it a place that people want to go and visit. Absolutely. So we hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast, everybody. This week's episode all about Dubai. It's been fantastic learning about it. I hope you've all learned something. If you want to let us know your thoughts about it or if you've got any ideas for episodes coming up in Series 4, Hit us up on the socials. It's at Two Guys One Topic on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Let us know your thoughts. We'd love to know about them. Otherwise, we will come back to you next week with a brand new topic, episode two of season four. Thank you for listening. Get out there and share some knowledge about Dubai.